This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome. I'm Martin Strong. Lots of changes going on in the Vancouver real estate market. We'll check in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. JohnnySmartpoint.com. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. And from the news you probably already knew department, a new report from Rentals.ca says Vancouver is once again the most expensive city in Canada if you're renting. It says the city also has the highest year-over-year rate price increase. They point out point out that the average rent in the city was 2920 $25 in April, up 29.9% from the same time last year. Brock Lawson, who was formerly the manager of rental data for BC at Zonda Urban, says he expects rates to continue to rise because there is no prospect of supply keeping pace with demand. And as if there aren't enough hassles when trying to get on a flight these days, about 1,800 passengers at Victoria International Airport were affected when the airport grounded to a halt thanks to an explosive scare. RCMP say they were called Tuesday around lunchtime after a security employee spotted what appeared to be a pair of hand grenades in a bag during a routine scan. They say two bags contained what the Mounties Explosives Disposal Unit determined were, quote, inert military surplus explosives. Basically, they were decommissioned hand grenades. The man who claimed them has been released from custody and will appear in court at a later date. We'll refer to him from this point on simply as Mr. What Were You Thinking? The Victoria Airport says about 20 flights were cancelled and police are reminding travellers to make sure items in their luggage are actually permitted on planes before flying. The harsh reality of inflation and stigma is causing a problem for some women who are now being forced to decide between buying food and menstrual products. That's according to the United Way of BC. The organization is nearing the end of a province-wide campaign to not only gather a minimum of 700,000 products to anyone who needs them, but to open the conversation around women's health and menstruation. The United Way's Neil Adolf says more and more people are using food banks and other charities as a way to get their stuff like tampons and pads. And he says people who menstruate and who can't afford these products experience huge amounts of anxiety and are often forced to stay at home for five to seven days every month, which means they can't go to work or even school. And here's a reason you should always check your email. A guy from Kamloops is $1 million richer after finding out through email he lucked out on a lottery ticket. Greg Gautier says he and his wife were scrolling through their email inbox, as they do every morning, when they noticed an email from the BC Lottery Corporation. The email told Gautier that they'd won $1 million from the Lotto 649 draw on May 7th. Gautier bought his lucky ticket on playnow.com, says he's looking forward to visiting the East Coast and maybe going somewhere hot. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Lots of changes going on in the real estate market, and you might not believe 
what uh, RBC is predicting for greater Vancouver real estate prices. We'll get to that in a moment when we check in with John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint. He's next. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and there seems to be something in the air when it comes to real estate. The Bank of Canada has hiked its key rate twice in 2022, bringing the rate to 1% after sitting at historic lows. And according to some sources, it depends on who you read, uh, it's going to mean something. For example, RBC is now forecasting what they call a, quote, intense drop in housing prices in Metro Vancouver for next year. Uh, Other groups in the real estate market, people who know are saying the market is still strong and they don't expect any serious declines. Uh, And the market is still rolling along here in the Lower Mainland. The high prices continue. Uh, Is it a question of just the fizz going off the market? So to help us get a sense of what's out there, is, uh, is is our man who's in the thick of it in the real estate market in the Lower Mainland, John Carlson. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. JohnnySmartpoint.com is where you can find him online. And John is with us now. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Good afternoon. Yeah, and it's a it's a kind of a busy time. And and I mean, you're you're in in the trenches. I mean, you, you know, you can read about real estate, you can talk about it at parties and you can, you know, look at statistics that are a month old, but you are, you are in the trenches. You are talking to people, you are seeing what's out there. You're seeing what's selling, what the prices are. Um, when you read these articles and they, they, the articles that I've read in the past week have varied widely in, in their predictions. Some say the market is, you know, in for this terrible drop. And then others say this market is solid and, uh, it's the high prices are not going anywhere. So, I mean, generally, what are you seeing out there? You know, that is really interesting. And I, I think, um, when you start talking about predictions, uh, I'm going to leave that for a moment. But you mentioned the fact that, you know, that, that I, myself and other agents like myself are out there on a daily basis. I tend to, you know, think, um, you know, that, that my perspective is always evolving, of course, because I'm working pretty much on a daily basis. And, and I, I tend to think kind of anecdotally because you run into experiences that kind of, uh, I, I suppose, enlighten you as to the, the psychology of, you know, when I'm a listing agent, for instance, and the buyer's agents are communicating with me regarding offers, and I can kind of feel the difference how it feels now compared to how it was a few months ago. Or, you know, I'll remember how certain scenarios played out. And of course, in my conversations with other agents, when I'm presenting offers, or more often, I'm a listing agent, and the offers are being received, uh, you know, by me and my clients, you get a real feel for what people are thinking today. And uh, so again, my perspective is always open to, you know, new information and new experiences, but I tend to uh, you know, get my feelings of opinions of what's going on in the market and what's likely to come in the market based on the things people tell me day to day when I'm when I'm doing my my business. So I, I think that was interesting that, that you that you bring it up because when I read statistics, you know, first of all, you have to you know, is this a Canadian wide statistic? Is it is it uh, you know local Greater Vancouver Fraser Valley type statistics? So you gotta you gotta look at how things are framed. But I, I clearly remember, uh, you know, at the beginning of the COVID situation more than two years ago, uh, a pretty respected uh, and well, you know, well-published uh, company, I won't name them right now, was predicting that the market would drop 18 to 20%. And how wrong did that turn out to be? So <laughs> I'm always careful looking at, at statistics. Uh, but right now, 
I find it's really interesting because we've gone through such a hot time in the market where people, you know, if you're thinking anything about real estate, buying or selling, it's kind of something that's on your mind fairly frequently because there's, there's just so much excitement to it. And so if you're at all tuned into real estate, you're probably hearing all kinds of different things. You know, the market's just fine. The market's going to collapse. And, you know, just, just a quick answer. My thought process lately has been, you know, one of kind of a, a bookends. On the one end of the spectrum, there are people saying the market's going to keep going up and prices are going to, you know, whatever. And then there's other people who seem to think, you know, it's going to be the Dust Bowl next year. And I don't think either one of those perspectives are, are particularly helpful. Uh, but when I look at the day-to-day -day activity in the real estate market, obviously I can tell that things have changed and we, we can talk about that. Just the attitudes of buyers and the negotiating process and the leverage situation between a buyer and a seller has, has definitely balanced out uh, compared to way, the way it was a few months ago. But, you know, the whole, the whole game has changed. We have to remember, though, that while all that is true, we have to remember we're comparing our expectations, perhaps, and our recent experiences to to a pretty intense market that is that was extraordinary and unusual. And I have a feeling that when the May statistics come out in a short time this coming week, that we'll see a, a market that is definitely subdued compared to recent times, but more in line with the 10-year averages. So I think it's really important to backdrop all of these changes and maybe some insecurities that sellers might have that they missed the peak market with the understanding that real estate in greater vancouver and the fraser valley is is quite you know it, it's a very resilient market that we have and you know the supply and demand uh, side of things still are quite you know in favor of keeping re real estate prices relatively high by that i mean there's still a strong demand and supply is still somewhat limited so i i, I see a balanced market you know maybe maybe a goldilocks market if you will for the next little while not too hot not too cold but i think we will see uh, over the next number of months, a ratcheting down of, you know, some of the intensity that we saw because changes don't happen overnight. They don't happen all at once. But generally speaking, if a market's cooling down and sellers have to become a little bit more aware of what their competition's doing and maybe become a little bit more competitive on the market to attract buyers, over time, prices tend to, you know, ratchet down a bit. Now, an extreme adjustment, as you mentioned with the prediction, that would be something that would surprise me. But of course, you know, this is a day-to-day -day thing and we're, and we're going to find out. I think we're in a market that is relaxed a bit, but it's a nice, oper uh, a nice market to operate in, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, we're talking to John Carlson on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Uh, Johnny Smartpoint, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is where you can find John uh, online. And you can also give him an email at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. You can also phone him 604-612-0080. And, uh, you know, who knows? This could be, like you say, a, a Goldilocks period. Uh, and it could be a, a good time to maybe jump into the market if you're downsizing or something, because I guess it's human nature. Real estate is kind of like the stock market. It's, it's sort of, uh, a sexy topic for people to talk about, but I guess human nature is, is people like, you know, they, when prices are going through the roof, they just, oh, they're, it's going to continue this way forever. And then when things kind of maybe are, are, are are sort of cooling off a bit. It's like, Oh my God, it's the next big depression. It's just the way it is with people. <laughs> they just, it's one way or the other, but it's usually somewhere in between. Right. 
Usually, yes. And psychology does play a big part. I'm not a stock market expert, of course, but, you know, the perception of what's coming is, is it plays a big part of it. And and what people hear and read in the press is also, and that's why it's important to, you know, to understand what statistics you're looking at and to try to get a bigger picture and a bigger perspective. And um, I think it's only natural that people remember, you know, especially if you're thinking of selling, you know, well, my neighbor sold three months ago or six months ago for this, and this was the situation. Okay, wonderful. And chances are you can still get pretty close to a peak price if you're selling, but we have to remember that the the, the, the situation is a little bit different out there. The perception of buyers and the environment we're working in with interest rates being a little bit higher is also different. So, you know, every recipe will create its own final product and the, the ingredients in the market today are slightly different than the ingredients were, uh, you know, going back three to six months. And I think the big difference in the ingredients are, first of all, the supply, the money supply is tightening up a bit in terms of interest rates. It's a little harder to borrow as much money to go fight the other buyers for the house you want. And, the whole perception that um, that maybe you know the that the real estate market has now leveled out or maybe even starting to decline on prices gives buyers that little bit of breathing room where they don't they don't have to hurry. Yeah, and I guess it's it's all about the froth. And and when you look back at the kind of COVID era of real estate, um, what do you what do you think is sort of the the through line story? What was the story of COVID? Because uh, I guess to me, it would be uh, a supply and demand kind of uh, a mismatch. There was a lot of people who wanted to buy and not enough product out there to buy. And that put a huge amount of upward pressure on the prices. I mean, would you, do you think that that's an accurate way of describing this the past couple of years? Yes, Martin. I think I think that is you know really accurate. I, I've said many times that real estate is a supply and demand business. And, you know, with COVID happening, the, you know, people's, people's, people's changed their lifestyles and, you know, moved from one place to another, get away from the city, perhaps, or find a, a place where you can work from home, all these things we've talked about. And underlying that was historically, historically low interest rates. So if, if somebody has a desire, I mean, when you look at the definition of, of, of value, let's say in real estate or anything else, it comes down to what a willing and able buyer will pay for any particular goods or service. So in the example of real estate, we had a lot of willing buyers who, uh, number one, you know, maybe want to change their demo demographic because of COVID or timing or whatever. But number two, also saw prices going up and thought, if I don't do it now, it's going to be more expensive in the future. Uh, and so the willingness of buyers to really step up over and over and over again and kind of you know leapfrog one another as time goes on in terms of prices they were paying that willingness was very very strong and then you've also got the ability side of things where a person could go to the bank and at one time i think get a an interest rate for a five-year term well under two percent maybe closer to one and a half percent something like that and that, that that's a lot of fuel for the fire so when i look at the willingness and the ability of buyers i recognize that the ability first of all is now being eroded through higher interest rates and you know, historically, they're still relatively low rates, but compared to what they were, they're not the same. So the ability side is affected and the willingness now, although there's still a lot of buyers who want to be out here and, and partake in the market and, and sellers as well. You know, people are now thinking, you know, this is a little bit more relaxed. I don't have to, you know, to go as crazy. And, and, and again, I think in, in terms of anecdotes, in terms of my own business, and I'll, I, I remember not that long ago having a townhouse for sale where a, uh, a neighboring property just a week before sold for $835,000 out towards the valley. 
and my client, you know, we sold, uh, we listed a week later and got multiple offers and we sold for $900,000 for basically the same unit two weeks later. And I distinctly remember during that situation, it was a multiple offer situation and we had 11 or 12 offers and it came down to the final, I think it was three, they were all unconditional, they all had deposits and the buyer's agents, you know, I'm, I'm with my seller and we're reviewing and we're calling the buyer's agents and, and many of the, the three finalists you know, we're saying to me, John, what can we do to put our offer together? We can come up with a little more money. Can we can we make the dates better? Can we do this? Is there anything we can do? We want to get this place. And, uh, you know, our my clients, the buyers, these agents are saying to me, have lost on the last few offer presentations and they really want to buy. And I distinctly remember we had some offers in the, you know, the 875 range. And one of the agents just said to me, you know, hey, John, what if we do a knockout punch and we come up to 900,000? Would that seal the deal? And I looked at my client and she was kind of nodding and I realized, you know, that was probably a good situation and that's what ended up happening. But looking at today, I wonder, would a buyer have that same degree of motivation to really come up and deliver what this agent called a knockout punch? Um, they might not because chances are they'd realize that the listings are coming and they can wait or maybe they haven't been put through the grinder for three months like some of these other buyers. So this all has to go into my perception anyways of the real estate market and how buyers perceive it and how willing they are to really step out and step up and max out in terms of their pricing. I don't think that level is there. And so we talked about the fizz coming off the market or the panic premium. In my opinion, that's what's really changed right now. Interest rates, yeah, we're starting to feel that a bit as the low rates start to vanish. But I think the perspective the perspective has changed and some of the panic has come out. And so I'm seeing a panic premium maybe coming out of the industry a little bit in terms of pricing, but the fundamentals are still very strong and the spring market is just upon us. So, you know, it's not time to panic. It's just time to recognize that we're in a little bit of a different environment and the ingredients of the market are slightly different. And therefore the result we're going to get, we should expect maybe a different result and at least consider our strategy uh, and maybe not use the same strategy we might have used when when things were a bit different. John Carlson is our guest. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. JohnnySmartPoint.com is where you can find him online. Uh, J-O-H-N-N-Y, two N's in Johnny, JohnnySmartPoint.com. You can also uh, send him an email, John at JohnnySmartPoint.com or give him a call, 604-612-0080. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about this cooling off period to uh, temper real estate market. Is that a good idea or not? That's when we return with more on Vancouver Consumer right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong and my guest this afternoon, John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint. You can find him online, johnnysmartpoint.com. 604-612-0080, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And you know him from the radio. John has been uh, in the real estate game for 20 plus years. He sold more than a thousand properties uh, in Vancouver and he's seen every kind of market there is. And uh, we've certainly uh, seen or are seeing uh, one of the most unique markets, the COVID real estate market. And now that we're kind of getting out of it, the big question is, you know, like what, what's in store? Is it, is it going to be, as you said, John, a dust bowl? Uh, not likely, uh, but uh, the froth might, is obviously coming off this market because things were, were so insane. You'd put something on the market and then things would, would get multiple offers and sell in days. And so 
I guess my my advice to you is, is when we talk to your clients who you help sell their properties, uh, they often say the thing they like about you is it's not a hard sell thing. You're not trying to get them to jump in the market right away. And often you spend months discussing it and, and, you know, getting a strategy together, sometimes even years where people will talk to you and then call you back a year or two later and say, okay, we've decided to pull the trigger. Uh, so now that the market is a bit changing and, and we are getting all these different, uh, different reports of what's happening. What advice do you have for people who are selling real estate in this market and about what to expect? Yeah, that's a great question, Martin. Um, and I work with a lot of sellers, the majority of my businesses as, as a listing agent. Um, and so I would say, you know, first of all, I, I, when I meet with people, I try to understand the situation so that I can give good advice. So I do a lot of listening first and foremost, but I think in general, there's two things. Uh, first of all, you know, I, 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 I give advice to my sellers to just let's not be in a rush. Let's not be impatient. Let's think this process through and let's not necessarily expect um, a slam dunk offer in the first three days, because while that can still happen and that's wonderful, I don't think it should be your strategy. Um, so, so I, I, I don't pressure people to list, you know, with me today or tomorrow. And if they want to take their time and figure things out, that's wonderful. When it comes to you know, advice to my sellers, I try to remind them that things are a little bit different and I try to make sure expectations are in line with the market. Uh, and, and the other thing is, you know, my job is to tell the truth as I understand it. I, I relay my experience and my information to my clients. So again, they can make the right decisions for them. And, you know, right now, you know, when I meet with people, oftentimes I'll tell them, you know, hey, they say, John, what do you think our house will sell for? And I'll say, you know, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, walking in the dark right now, you know, you don't want to go too fast and bump into a wall. And, and, you know, you may want to try a strategy. And there's a lot of listings out there that try a low price strategy, and maybe it doesn't work. So they come up in their price, or they have a high price strategy, and they cancel the listing and bring it on a lower price after a month if it doesn't sell. So there's a little bit of feeling your way through a market that's changing. Having said that, you still want to be as accurate as you can from from day one. So, you know, so there's... I, I try to tell them that, you know, here's one thing I, I'll say to people when they ask me what their house is worth, I'll say, to tell you the truth, if you took 10 top selling agents in this area and put us in this same chair and gave us truth serum, we're probably <laughs> going to say we're not 100% sure because the, things are changing a bit. But based on my understanding of a seller situation, which might be hopefully that they're not in a hurry, uh, they don't, you know, have an urgent need to get their money in 30 days or that sort of thing, you might want to test the market a little bit because. Sometimes uh, when the market slows down a bit and you still have these high expectations of pricing, you might get discouraged after a week. Hey, well, what happened? We didn't get an offer. You know, is it time to panic? No, it's not time to panic. Let's give it a little bit more time. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, trying to understand the situation and trying to make sure we give the market that's a little bit slower enough time to respond because, you know, as it's said many times, you only need one buyer. You don't have to sell to everybody. Um, giving that buyer time to see the property, give it some thought. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll get an offer that's not to your liking and you'll negotiate. It won't go anywhere. And then a week later, that same buyer will come back and say, hey, you know, I looked around. I didn't find anything else. I think I'm ready to be more in the price range that you're thinking. So a little bit of patience doesn't hurt. Uh, a little bit of open mindedness when it comes to offers doesn't hurt if you're still remembering the peak prices. But for most properties, you know, you can still get very close to peak pricing and do well. Just don't necessarily expect it to happen overnight. 
And, you know, these are the kind of strategies that, that I try to talk about to make the, the whole process smoother and just to help people be a little bit more calm about it. And another reason why you really want someone who understands the real estate market and uh, just doesn't understand this market at the moment, who's been through markets that take a long time to sell stuff. Uh, and it, and and that's who John is. John's been selling for, for more than 20 years, uh, sold more than a thousand properties. Because I guess, John, the last thing uh, you want is to, is to, for example, to price too high. And then all of a sudden the, the property has been on the market for a really long time. And I guess that doesn't look good to, to buyers. You know, that's funny because, uh, again, expectations that, that goes right to our talk about expectations. I'll have some people now say, Hey, uh, Hey John, can you check out this property? I don't know what's wrong with it. It's been on the market like 14 days and it hasn't sold. And I kind of, you know, I kind of laugh a little bit because that's not necessarily, you know, an indication of a problem, but it just goes to show what, you know, people are kind of conditioned to, to think about a property and how quickly it'll sell. So again, that's my advice to sellers. Let's not, let's not think that way. Um, but, uh, you know, again, different, different market, different scenario. Let's have the proper expectations, but let's also understand that good properties are still selling and, uh, uh, you know, we, you need to play the, you need to play your hand properly given the environment that you're, you're operating in. Right. And that's why you should go to johnnysmartpoint.com. That's two N's in Johnny, johnnysmartpoint.com. And, uh, you can, uh, see why John, uh, might be the, the person for you to help you sell that piece of property. You can also go to, uh, his uh, email at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And John, I want to ask you your opinion on this. Uh, it's been heating up over the past few months, but this past week, uh, uh, BC financial regulators are calling more for what they call a pre-offer period and cooling off period to temper this real estate market. So it, it, it it's, it's kind of uh, a gray area of exactly what this would mean, but they're talking about, say you uh, agree to buy a property, but you have three days to, to maybe uh, back out of the deal or something like that. I'm sure you understand it more than I do, but um, it's, it sort of seems to me, I don't know if you agree with this, that it might be uh, fixing a problem that that's kind of going away anyway, because it's all about the crazy market where people are buying without, you know, because they, they don't have time to, to do a, an inspection and all these things. But that seems to be the part of the market that's going away is this, these crazy uh, bidding wars and things like that. So what do you think about as a, as a real estate professional, when you hear this idea being thrown around a, a cooling off period for real estate buyers? Well, you know, I try to be diplomatic because I understand where this is coming from. Um, people have been shut out of the market. They've been forced to make very quick decisions as buyers. Um, it's been a real pressure cooker. And so I don't want to diminish anything. Uh, you know, that is that is definitely the case. And, you know, politically, you know, our, our elected officials have a duty to try to represent all the constituents. And, and so this is a growing problem. And I think they, they've put good faith into trying to address, but to your point, this is like closing the barn door after all the horses are already gone. Um, I don't think the timing is right. In fact, I think the timing is poor. This might have been an interesting idea had it been imp implemented properly, which is the other part of the discussion. We don't have any details on how this will actually work other than the government's proposing that we rewrite contract law that's been in place for hundreds of years. So 
boy, I see a lot of potential unintended consequences. I see uh, a strategy that if implemented well three to six months ago might have might have done something. Um, but, you know, again, I want to be diplomatic, but uh, I have some concerns about how this will actually play out. If I had to guess, it might not last long. I don't really know. It depends on what the market's going to be like after they introduce the details in the spring legislature and we get all this done. And, uh, you know, the government has a job to do. And I think they're in good faith trying to um, uh, bring affordability into the market. But again, in my, you know, this is just my personal opinion. I think that the market conditions are a result in, in most part to government policy, uh, you know, restricting building, making, uh, you know, limiting supply, immigration, uh, all kinds of things. And I feel to some degree that the efforts of the provincial government over the last few years where it comes to taxing foreign buyers or taxing vacant properties is kind of putting the problem onto the backs of the homeowners when really it was the government policy over these number of years, probably going back to Expo 86, that has created what we have here in terms of the one of the highest priced real estate markets in the world. So uh, I'm not always a fan of some of the solutions, but I understand where these ideas are coming from. Specifically with this particular one, I'm going to wait and see what the details are. But I do think the timing is probably off and we may be trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist anymore. So I guess that's my answer and we're going to wait and see what happens. We're talking to John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, you can uh, go to the website, johnnysmartpoint.com or give him a call 604-612-0080 uh, or email john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And if you go to the website, johnnysmartpoint.com, you can see uh, some of the properties that uh, John has on his listings page. And in the, the couple of minutes that we have left, what's going on with uh, with that? What, what are you excited about? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Actually, I've got some good listings and now I've got uh, offers on uh, a few of them this week. So in that way, the market is still doing very well. I've got a, a building lot on Stride Avenue in, in uh, Burnaby, close to the New West border. And this is a house that really should be torn down or, or renovated significantly. Uh, we just dropped the price uh, from 1.2 million to 1.1 million. So that's a lot more in line with the offers that we've been receiving. And that's that's a good one. I also have a brand new listing in Capitol Hill area of Burnaby and it's 1.499. And this is a, you know, a small house that could be rented or lived in or maybe torn down in just one of the best streets uh, on Georgia Street in Capitol Hill. So that's a new one. I may have another actually uh, subdividable building lot coming up. Um, I've also got a, a new listing that'll hit the next few days. And it's a it's a great townhouse at 1.3 million in uh, up in um up the hill in Coquitlam. Um, the name, the name eludes me right now. So a lot of new things happening and feel free to call me or check out my website because as my new listings come and as they sell, uh, you know, we'll be publishing those details and it's an exciting time in the market. Lots of new listings hitting, buyers coming out of the woodwork and there's a new dynamic. So it feels a little bit more balanced. It feels a little bit more relaxed. And I think that's going to be a, a good thing for, for most people. Could be a good time to get into this Goldilocks market, as uh, our guest John Carlson puts it. Go to johnnysmartpoint.com to uh, check out all those properties on his website. You can also get in touch with him there on the website uh, or give him a call, 604-612-0080. And uh, I should also mention before we go, you are a 2% realtor, so you 
will save some money from a typical retailer for, or a, a realtor, uh, an average commission. You'll save some dough and it can be uh, pretty substantial. So go to johnnysmartpoint.com to learn more. Well, thank you, John. We will talk to you soon. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. See you again. Right on. Up next on Vancouver Consumer in Vancouver history today, it was uh, 1886 that the very first organized fire brigade in Vancouver is created just in time to watch the entire city burn to the ground. I've got that story coming up next. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong and time for some On This Day in Vancouver History on Vancouver Consumer. This one goes back to the earliest days of Vancouver as a city, May 28th, today in 1886. It was on this day that a bunch of Vancouverites got together in George Shetsky's clothing store. I don't know what a clothing store in Vancouver looked like in 1886, but this was one. Uh, they were there to establish the very first volunteer fire brigade for the city. It was only a month before in April of 1886 that Vancouver was incorporated as a city and there really was no well-organized fire protection system in place for this young city. So in the back of this little clothing store, a man named Sam Pedgriff was elected as the chief of the Vancouver Volunteer Hose Company number no. 1. At that time, the brigade didn't have much in the way of equipment, just buckets, shovels, and a lot of people who were eager to help out. Up until then, the only thing that the city had even remotely resembling a fire department was something called, unfortunately, the Darktown Fire Brigade. That was made up of 23 men who were dressed in blackface for some reason and hauled an old hose reel during parades. So you know they weren't very dependable. Pedgriff would later petition city council for support for this new fire department. And in lieu of funding, the city agreed that anybody who volunteered for this new fire brigade would be exempt from military duty. So now they had a more organized and serious fire brigade and a less offensive one. The problem was they still didn't have a fire engine. Back in 1886, fire engines were mainly horse-drawn and steam-powered but they could get to where the fires were. So they were crucial. The fact they didn't have one in Vancouver in 1886 proved to be a problem, a big one, because less than a month later, the city, the young city of Vancouver was completely destroyed by fire in the space of less than an hour. It was not long after that fire on June 13th, 1886, which became known as the Great Fire, the town site of Granville would buy a Ronald fire engine complete with 2,500 feet of hose. So it's ironic that on this day in 1886, Less than a month before the city is completely destroyed by fire, the first real fire brigade is organized. But just over a hundred years later, the Vancouver Fire Department will serve the city from 20 different fire departments and employ just under a thousand people. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, it looks like people are getting back on the bus. That story and much more when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. 
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.